You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode number 119. And today we're talking about how your happiness has to do with your health and really how to live a more happy life. I mean, don't we all want that? Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa. This is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. And we're talking all about that, finding more joy and living in happiness. Today on the show, we have Allie Worthington. She's a business coach, author, speaker. She's written numerous books, including her latest, The Year of Living Happy, which, by the way, we talk about in the show, is in Target stores. And this is a huge deal to get your book featured in Target stores because they don't choose very many books. So it is an honor and a privilege to be there. And I mean, it's a book you're going to want to get. So if you're at Target or going to Target, make sure you head on over to the book aisle. You can get The Year of Living Happy 30% off there right now. So check that out. But today on the show, I'm going to be asking Allie, who, by the way, has been on the show numerous other times talking about busyness and fear and all of these mindset things that we have going on. And today we're really building on it as I ask her questions about how we can live in more happiness. Like what is the research about happiness and how does happiness differ from joy? And what are the steps that we can take there to actually achieve this happy life that we're all looking for? So I'm excited to have Allie on. But before we get to the day show, I want to remind you of a few things. First, the 2019 Nurse Planner. I'm going to say it until you grab one. It is live at nurseplanner.com. You must grab a Nurse Planner. It is so good this year. And if we're going to talk about happiness, there's no better system than to help schedule your life. And like we say at the Nurse Planner, our motto is to help you live a life that you actually desire, to get yourself out and live this life. I feel like we have become a generation so trapped by our schedules and our to-do list and hustling and all this other stuff. And not seeing that there's anything wrong with that. But if we don't choose to live our life now, even amongst the hustle, like will we ever? And so inside the Nurse Planner, we help walk you through scheduling a life that is in tune with where you want to go, with your goals and your dreams and your desires of life. Plus, Every month, we give you a little piece of content that's going to help further your life and help you to learn more about yourself so you can really be free to be you. January starts out with knowing your personality type. It's so much fun, and we share so much information. So it's not just a life planner, although it is that too, but it's so much more. So make sure you head on over to nourishplanner.com, grab your planner, use code SIMPLEROOTS, that's S-I-M-P-L-E-R-O-O-T-S, at checkout to get 25% off. And speaking of that, you're going to need that for this upcoming project that's going to be out January 1st. Now, you're going to know all the details long before then because I'm really encouraging you to join me in this new program that I am so pumped about. Like, I I can't even tell you, probably one of the best, most exciting things that I've ever done is coming out in January, and I can't wait to show that to you. And allow you to be a part of it with me. So stay tuned for that, but know you're going to need a Nourish Planner. So make sure you grab your 2019 Nourish Planner. Don't forget to sign up for my email list. That can be found at simperitswellness.com where you will be first to learn about all the information coming out about this new thing coming January 1st. Plus, you'll get all the details and special discounts on some of my favorite products for the holidays. So you're gonna wanna stay tuned there. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram. That's at Alexa Sherm or Facebook at Simperitz Wellness to find all the videos that I've been posting. Just quick tips and tricks that can help you live a healthier life. So make sure you follow along there. Sign up for my email list. Grab your Nourish Planner. And now, stay tuned because here's the famous Allie Worthington. Welcome to the show, Allie. You're like Thank you. one of the top guests on the show. So I'm glad to have you back on. This will not be your last time because it just can't be. But we've known each other for a long time, which it seems like forever, but it's probably been, everyone asked me how long I've been working with you because you're my business coach. Has it Mm -hmm. been almost two and a half years? Almost three years? I think so. I was thinking two and a half years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's gone really fast, but at the same time, it feels like forever as well. So, um, it's really awesome that we get to do this and I've, 
gotten to watch you live your own life a little bit. And you've talked about things like breaking busyness and fierce faith, like overcoming worry and anxiety. And now you're talking about happiness, which I feel like you're just kind of like all your books are like building to this moment of happiness because it is such a hard topic. And I say that, that it's hard because like health, like, right? Like health is a hard, confusing topic. Happiness, I feel like is in the same boat of like, it seems like it should be simple, but it's really not. So I want you to kind of explain what is happiness because I don't think it's as black as and white as we make it out to be. That's a great question. I think that, ha- well, first of all, thank you. And it's great to be back with you. It always feels like coming, coming back home to be on the show. Right. I think happiness is one of those things that we feel like we're not really happy unless we're deliriously happy, like, you know, skipping through the, the daisies outside. And we go, well, I'm not happy because I'm not I'm not just, you know, deliriously happy when a lot of happiness is just kind of the the quiet contentment that we have in our life. Mm. I, I developed the subtitle of this new book, The Year of Living Happy. The subtitle is Finding Contentment and Connection in a Crazy World, because I've studied every bit of research that has been done in the past hundred years on happiness, no matter how dry and boring and (laughs) tedious it was, because I wanted to find out what are the two things, the two main things that make a happy life. And the two main things is contentment and connection. So contentment being our gratitude, our, you know, that feeling when your head hits the pillow at night where you just feel good about life. Mm -hmm. And then connection being connection with other people in your life, the quality of those relationships. And when we look at happiness through the lens of, you know what, my my life's pretty good and I have great relationships, I'm happy. When we view happiness like that instead of, oh, you know, I'm not happy unless I'm deliriously happy and I have a yacht and, you know, I'm just throwing money around like I'm in a rap video, then it becomes happiness as a concept becomes a lot more accessible to us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So my idea of happiness of like driving around in a car, throwing $20 bills at my windows, <laughs> it's not real happy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it, it might make you happy though. I mean, yeah, I mean not, right. I'm not complaining about that, but you know, it doesn't always have to look amazing for mm-hmm. us to be happy in our lives. Right. Right. And I want to talk about that in a second, but I first have this little question as you've done research, cause I know you're a big researcher, is happiness a newer topic or has this something that's been written about and studied about like really for a hundred years? Oh, that's a great question. Happiness has been written about since the beginning of time. I think right. that we have the innate desire for happiness like that's just built into us. Like mm-hmm. we have the desire to eat and and breathe oxygen. It's just part of our lives. It's something like we here's something fascinating. Um, you never think about the Puritans, for example, as being especially happy people. Like, you know, we've we've seen movies depicting them. The Puritans always wrote about happiness Hmm. and ways to develop happiness and how to find, you know, peace and happiness in their lives. I'm like, even the Puritans were obsessed with how to find happiness. So it's definitely something that has been desired and people have been writing about since people have been writing, Mm -hmm. but it's just the studies that's, that's the past hundred years because then people have the the capability to do those big research studies. Right. Right. No, it's, it's really fascinating because I mean, I think I like to think sometimes that we've created this monster of being an unhappy group of people, but like you said, it's almost like always something that we've desired, just like health. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to believe that we had to think about it as much as, like you said, probably people did in the past, just like we are today. So that brings me to the next question of, I look at happiness as different than joy. Now, maybe they're the same thing. I have no idea. This is what I want you to explain to me. So I look at happiness as more of an emotion, like more of a feeling and joy as more of a lifestyle, but like explain the difference to me. And what you found to be the difference between joy and happiness, and maybe they are the same thing. But like joy to me is like through pain and suffering, you can still be joyful. Happiness, I feel like, is distinctly opposite of pain and suffering. Okay, I feel the exact opposite. So okay, I'm glad no, that you yeah, asked the I want you to no. explain this to me because I feel like this just rolls around in my mind all the time. Okay, we'll start with just this example. Mm-hmm. Say you you're thinking about someone that's very happy. Would you ever say that person is happy but not joyful? No, no. Okay, now, now, think about 
if you imagine that same person and they're very joyful, would you ever say that person's joyful but not happy? No, I suppose not. They're the same thing. Right. So we have in in our popular culture developed a distinction between joy and happiness Mm -hmm. only in the past 120 years. So 120 years ago, a a minister and author wrote a classic book, Oswald Chambers. I'm a big fan of his. However, he decided one day that happiness was kind of an emotion and it was fleeting. Mm. And joy was something that is, you know, held deep within us. So even though there's pain and suffering in the world, we have deep joy. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about that that's accurate, but it's one of those concepts. You know, someone writes a book and people go, oh, yes, that's right. And sometimes that just kind of, that idea takes hold in our popular culture, and it has for us for the past 120 years. Mm -hmm. So it makes a lot of people go, I don't want to seek happiness because that's so superficial. I'm going to seek deep joy. Well, sometimes we say we have joy, but we look awfully depressed. Right. And if if everything is going bad in my life, say, say, God forbid, I lose somebody that I love. I'm not going to feel happy at the time. I'm not going to feel joyful at the time. I'm going to feel terrible at the time. Mm -hmm. But it's only after that kind of valley season of life passes by that I regain that set point of happiness in my life. Because when you're going through a terrible time, everything's terrible. Right. I'm not going to feel happiness or deep joy in that time. Everything's just going to suck. And that's okay. That's, That's part of life. So for us to make the distinction of you know, happiness is emotion, but I have deep joy even in the hard times. They're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, like that question at the beginning, is somebody happy but not joyful? Is somebody joyful not happy? No. They're synonyms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that clears the air because I feel like I struggle. Like, even in my hard days, I'm like, man, I should be joyful, but I just can't get there. You know, like, am I a lesser person? Because I feel like that has always gone. That's how I feel like I sh- or that's how I've been taught that I should always feel. Yeah, but really. And you know what? Like you said, it bad days are. Yeah, and bad days are bad. Mm-hmm. So even if we look at our lives and go, you know, I'm I'm a pretty happy person, but on bad days I'm not, and that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm not a happy person. It just means I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, I just like how you clarified that happiness doesn't have to be some fleeting thing, which is easy to fall into that and to believe that because that's. That's what the world really tells us is to chase happiness. Like happiness is a goal or success or an achievement or something like that. But you're you're not saying that that's true. No, no. Happiness gen- – okay, here's something interesting. You can probably speak to this from the health perspective. When people are trying to change their health, instead of making the small, simple changes that will completely change their health, they probably want to do the most difficult, complex framework possible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same with happiness. If people decide, you know what, I'm going to go on a happiness journal and I'm or journey, and I'm going to make my life happy, they will just turn their life upside down and make everything difficult and complex. When generally, if we do these small, simple steps every day, change a few habits here and there, at the end of a month or at the end of three months, we're going to be so much happier than we ever were before. But we have a tendency to think we have to chase it, we have to mm-hmm. work hard, we have to make things harder than they really have to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like health. I mean, it's the same thing in a lot of areas of our life, not just happiness. Is It turns into something that we have to work for or earn. So when we talk about happiness, though, and, and we move out of that context, if we're honest with ourselves, I, I don't think that there's a person listening to this that doesn't want more happiness in their life, right? Like, I think it's something that the world wants. And we know it's a health thing, too. Like, when I bring you on the show and talk about happiness, we know that happiness is one of the highest forms of healing, Mm-hmm. So on our quest to fill our lives with happiness, like what have you uncovered as being the biggest hurdles in getting yourself there? It's a great question. I think the first and most important thing to discuss is so many of us have, you know, painful memories or we've been through a season of life that's been very traumatic. And in that case, that's going to block us from being able to invest in our happiness. So maybe you grew up in a family where You know, maybe you grew up with a parent that was depressed or a parent that wasn't the best parent for you, or you've been through situations in life that have been really difficult. Even as adults, we still carry that pain. Mm -hmm. For people that have been through in their adulthood traumatic experiences, I can't tell people enough, go to a counselor. Right. 
Mm -hmm. Go to a counselor, work that stuff out, figure out what's blocking you. You know, for so many people, it's one little thing. And once they talk through it and get some tools to be able to move past it, it opens up a whole area of life. I think we're the first generation of people who we just expect everyone to go to counseling. And if you don't go to counseling, we're like, why, <laughs> why are you not responsible in getting your life together? Right. <laughs> like that's, that's what grownups do. So if there is something that has happened to you that is traumatic, if there's something that's happened to you that's painful and it isn't dealt with, that's going to be the biggest hurdle to feeling happiness in your life. And there's no way to get through it but to work through it. So it's spending your time with a great counselor, finding somebody that is recommended in your community just to go and to talk through things who can give you the tools mm -hmm. to be able to move past that. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's really good because as I've been doing like setting the mindset and, and doing this whole mindset series on the podcast, I think it's really fascinating to remember that our beliefs often come from our perceptions of the world, which are often false real realities. Like they're false beliefs that we've believed based on past circumstances, based on um, things that we've told ourselves, like all of these certain situations. So even like, for instance, like I think it's so awesome that your latest book is in Target and like a moment when so many people would say that's like the epitome of happiness, right? <laughs> like Target, you're booking it, right? You're happy <laughs> there. But like someone chasing a number on a scale, like the same thing is, is like if you didn't deal with the mindset issues or the root of it, mm -hmm. that moment could have not even brought you happiness. And then what? You know, like I think as long as happiness is a chase or like the same thing goes with people in health, like as as soon as your health becomes about a number, it's it's about a chase. And that number is never good enough. So like in your own life, how have you gotten yourself to be in a place of happiness is not based on my circumstance or my perception, but like really based on your beliefs and your reality? That's a great question. I think I've had to make peace with the fact that I need to be happy making progress to my goals mm. and that it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my family doesn't have to be perfect. My body doesn't have to be perfect. My work doesn't have to be perfect. But as long as every day I'm making progress and I'm getting healthier in that and in whatever way and shape and form that takes on, that that gives me that sense of accomplishment because I know I'm making progress. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. But for most of us, we have a set point of happiness. And research has shown that People who win the lottery, for instance. I know the lottery right now is like mega millions. It's like a billion dollars. <laughs> a billion so dollars, yeah. I for mean. For the first time in my life, I texted my husband and said, I need you to go buy a lottery ticket. He said, I did the same thing this morning. <laughs> he said, what number? And I said, I don't know. I've never bought tickets before. Can't they just pick the numbers for it? Like, I had no yeah. clue. But I'm like, if there's a billion, I'm in on it. Anyway, for lottery winners, after a certain amount of time goes by, I don't remember if it's a year or a few years they are as happy as they were before they won the lottery. Mm. So we're mm -hmm. talking like people that are making minimum wage, winning tens of millions of dollars, give them a couple of years, and they're exactly feeling the same way they felt before. Mm -hmm. Because we have an internal set point that is set by our thoughts, and like you said, our perception, the way we view the world. So when we can go, okay, here's here's my set point, and I realize that these things that I've been chasing are not actually going to make me happier. Mm -hmm. um, studies have shown people who have lost a spouse tragically. Give them a year or two, they are as happy as they were before they lost their spouse. Yeah. So no matter if something amazing happens or something terrible happens, we go back to that same set point. That's fascinating. Re uh -huh. Yeah, realizing that we all have this internal set point, being aware of it, and knowing that as we start changing our perception, changing our mindset, and making small, intentional decisions that lead to progress every day, we can get to that new level of happiness. Mm. So when you talk about a happiness set point, like literally I just released a podcast on weight set point. Mm. Um, and how your body has a weight set point. Like that's where it likes to stay, no matter if you eat too much or too little. Like, But in the case of your weight, it can change. And I assume in the case of your happiness set point, it also can change. A hundred percent, because so much of our happiness, just like with our health, is built on the small habits, those little things that we mm -hmm. do every day. It is set on how we talk to ourselves. I mean, just think about the voice that we hear more than any other voice in our life is our own internal voice, is that 
voice criticizing us? Is mm-hmm. are we beating ourselves up all day long? And like, that'll not only destroy our health, but it destroys our happiness too. Mm. Right. Right. Again, because you're creating those false perceptions of reality mm-hmm. that you kind of constantly have to to fight again. That stuff is And you kind of yeah. have to take a step back and cross examine your own thoughts. Uh-huh. Like to go Okay, this is what I'm thinking. These are the messages I'm telling myself. This is how I'm perceiving the world. I'm going to cross-examine that. So I'm going to say, is this thing that I'm perceiving, is this thing that I'm telling myself, is it really true? Mm-hmm. And kind of step back and, and, and like, like a witness on a stand, go, is that, is that really the truth? Is there evidence to back that up? Are, am I saying that because I'm emotional? Am I saying that because I'm hormonal? You know, all those things. And it gives us the ability to step back and get a little bit of con- control over the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. It seems like, a, I mean, I think sometimes when I look at happiness, it seems like a, a big lack of awareness in my own life on, one, false beliefs, but also, and this is something that you've taught me so much over the last two and a half years, is to look at the small wins, to recognize what's happening. Mm-hmm in life right now. And I, I tend to be a future focused person. And I know a lot of people are like either living in the past or the future, and it's hard to live in the present. But when you talk about daily practices, like what are some of those things that for you come across as like, these are ways that we can be more aware of our level of happiness? Because I think for me, happiness could be about a chase. It could be about something, an achievement at the end of the day. Um, and everything else is a frustration, even though I could be super grateful for it. I could still lack the awareness of that, of that blessing, kind of shove it under the rug until (laughs) I reach whatever I think it is. But I know when I get there, because I've been like, I've reached goals that I've wanted to achieve and it's, it's not settling, you know, like it, it doesn't satisfy because you're ready for the next goal. Yeah. Right. Like it's a never ending battle. So I know like things that you have taught me is like slowing down and recognizing the small wins. And even like on your own podcast, I've done like purchase the five minute journal and, or the five year journal, the mm-hmm. five year journal, not the five minute. They're two different things. Um, and I've started like keeping track of that. And like, it's really opened my eyes to living more in the present, but what are some other things in the day-to-day life that we can do to start to change our mindset around this idea? I think one of the most important things we can do is we can actually define what happiness is to us. What does a happy life look like? Mm. And once we can wrap our brains around what our definition of happiness is, we can then look at our lives and find things that back that up. For instance, say I want to go buy a new car and I, the car I have now, I have a black forerunner. Once I buy that black forerunner, everywhere I go, I'm going to notice black forerunners. So once we define what happiness means to us. So for me, happiness for me is the comfort of home. Happiness for me is feeling good with my husband. It's great relationships with my children. Happiness to me is sitting and petting my dog. Happiness to me is being able to put my head on the pillow at night and know I did a great job for everyone that depends on me and my clients and I'm doing great work in the world. That to me is a happy life. And then throughout the day, I look for things that back up this perception of my life being successful or my life being happiness, happy or not. Happiness doesn't mean I win the lottery. Happiness doesn't mean I'm living in a rap video. Happiness doesn't mean, (laughs) you know, a number on the scale. But for me to have definitions in my mind and everybody's individual, everybody has something else for me, knowing what makes a happy life for me, Mm. having that in black and white, having it be super clear, it helps me make decisions clearly on what I want to do with my life. And it helps me every day go, you know what? Things aren't perfect, but life is pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's what it. That's that's the most helpful day to day practice I have. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of settling into the present. I mean, again, yeah. yeah. And I don't. I, well, and I don't settle into the present well at all. I'm an Enneagram Seven. All I do is focus on the future. I don't even remember what happened yesterday. And today, <laughs> today is just a stepping stone to get me in the future. I have to force myself to have that mindset. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Okay. So I feel like in my own life, when I look at my own happiness, I've been trying to be more aware of this because it's a fleeting thing for me. Like I'm, I'm a chaser. And 
So trying to slow down and, and be here is difficult. But what I noticed is that expectations really trip me up mm-hmm. when it comes to happiness because I feel like I can go into a day but and and be okay, right, with the day, be present in the day. But if my expectations of what I expected to get done in the day or what I expected my husband to treat me like or what I expected him to tell me, all these things, right, if they start to fall, my happiness is gone in an instant. So did you do any research when you did happiness, like, about expectations and and how they influence our happiness? Well, the thing about expectations is having expectations that things are going to go well are very important. But because we live in this world, we know that half of those expectations are going to fall apart by 9 a.m. It just happens that way for everybody. You know, you have the expectation that it's we're going to have a good morning and everyone's going to get off to work and school. okay? and the dog throws up and no one has clean pants and, you know, everything falls apart. The secret is allow giving yourself permission to be flexible when those expectations aren't met Mm. to go. I wish it would have happened that way. We're going to try again in the future, but it didn't. So here we go. We're going to go for plan B. Mm -hmm. Because so much of the disappointment from expectations not being met are the stories that we tell ourselves when our expectations aren't met. Right. Because if our expectations aren't met in a situation, there's a difference between telling yourself, okay, this sucks, but Mm -hmm. we're going to work around it. and It's going to be okay. And And the other opposite of that is everything is terrible. Everything falls apart. I mess up all, everything mm-hmm. and everything's the worst, mm-hmm. right? So it's the story we tell ourselves when those expectations aren't being met that affect our happiness. Right. That makes total sense. And being an Enneagram too, I feel like I allow the happiness of others to determine my own happiness. Mm-hmm. Because um, you're so sensitive. I'm very sensitive and aware and I feel like it can become my fault or my problem and I'll put on the weight of other people's emotions. But when we look at happiness, and even sometimes I think, oh my gosh, you have everything going for you. Why are you not happy? But when it comes to happiness, and I'm sure, like, I think my husband does the same thing to me. Like, why are you not happy? Like, you you have a lot of good in your life. And it's good to be called out on that. But at the same time, when I carry the weight of others and I start to see their own happiness, I question, do we not all have the same view of happiness? Like, is this a unique, individualized scope of happiness or, like, in general, Happiness is the same thing for everyone. Maybe that's not a question that can even be answered. I don't know. No, no, that's a great question. Well, I know from research mm-hmm. that I mentioned before, the two things in life right. that will okay. determine yeah. your happiness is your contentment and your connection. So uh-huh. basically, how grateful you are in your life, uh-huh. how content you are, and the quality of all your relationships. So if if someone has those two things, uh-huh. they're generally going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But However, if if there are underlying issues that's, that you still need tools and help to work through, that is going to affect everything. It's going to mm-hmm. color everything. But the little details of happiness, I think that's completely different for everyone. You know, what makes my husband happy is going for a run. What makes me happy is not going for a run. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, I have great... Uh, I have great happiness from going to the movie theater. Uh-huh. I can only get him to go to a movie theater maybe once a year. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that clears the air. Like there's the overall big scope of happiness with the two things, contentment and um, relationships. You called it something else. What'd you call it? Communication. Um, connection. Connection. There you go. I knew it was another C. It's a good C word though. It's a communication great... fits in there well. Yeah. Um, and I can see how how those things can really affect everything because again, at the same time, it's the same thing with health. Like it, I feel like all of these areas of the mindset just flow in. Like totally, if we could just be more happy, could we be healthier? You know, like they all just kind of run together, which I think is really cool because then rather than like zooming in on life and zooming in on these specific things like happiness and health, like what if we had the zoomed out approach in life and we just started living in contentment and, what what would that change? You know, would it change everything? I don't know. Um, so, obviously, I'm just thinking while we're talking on the podcast. Okay. So <laughs> to continue on this, what do you feel like is the greatest negative influence on our happiness? Oh, 100% mindset, our thought patterns. Like what it's, we tell ourselves all the time. Yeah. The stories that play in our head mm-hmm. all the time. Because you can have two different people in the exact same situation and they will perceive that situation completely differently. They'll One will be invigorated by it, one will be depressed by it, and it's all because of our thought loops. It's mm-hmm. it's the inner critic. It is 
the idea that this is just an indicator of all future things being bad or this situation that I'm encountering is just a temporary obstacle and I'm going to overcome it and keep moving toward my goal. It's 100% how we perceive it. Mm Mm-hmm. Which you clarified already that those can change, like your happiness can change. So this is just daily what we are consciously feeding our mind. Yeah. And it, it involves continually kind of holding our thoughts captive and going, is that accurate? Is this Mm -hmm. true? Why am I perceiving it this way? Is there something in my life that causes me to perceive it that way? There is so much power when we, when we do those exercises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. Even when I did the mindset series this summer is that so many of our thoughts are false. Like they're, they're not untrue. Um, Mm -hmm. We have so many false perceptions of the world. And I think it's really fascinating just questioning your thoughts. Um, Like you said, kind of holding them captive and bringing awareness to them because I think I've always gone with the belief of like what I believe is true right like I mean we Mm -hmm. get into that pattern but coming to the realization of like what what I believe isn't necessarily true um but I think that again takes an awareness to that so like in your own life how you kind of explained this earlier but like how do you go through your day-to-day and make yourself aware of this like is it is it a sit down and like really think about your thoughts is it just constantly getting in the habit of checking your thoughts like what Like, what is a practical? Anytime I start feeling bad, anytime I feel like something has triggered me and I'm going downhill, you know, you're, you're driving down the road or you're in your office and all of a sudden you're in a bad mood, right? Mm -hmm. And you go, what in the world happened? I was having the best day. For me, that's when I go, okay, I need to figure out what triggered me and what thoughts were going through my head and then kind of examine those. Because what happens is, when we get triggered and we kind of go into an anxiety down spiral or our mood starts taking a downturn, we get overwhelmed by it. We feel out of control. Mm-hmm. But to go back and go, where did this situation start? What what was going on outside of me? What was I telling myself about the situation? It helps us regain control and really regain that sense of peace and happiness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. But it's it's like these things that seem so easy. It's almost hard to implement into your life. Yeah. You know, like it's we not want a really complex, difficult right. framework. <laughs> I even think about that with gratitude. I'm like, this has got to be the easiest thing ever to do, but the hardest to actually get yourself into a habit of doing, or at well, least for me. But I'm like, yeah. why? But we can stick to these really hard, painful things, which maybe that goes to show that pain and suffering is not all bad. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> and, and the discipline category. Okay, but you're going to find this fascinating. And maybe I learned this from you. I'm not sure where I learned this or on the mindset series. But when I study the mindset and the emotion, um, right, like happiness is providing a different neurotransmitter response, chemical response in the body that's going into every cell in the body. And what they're finding is that on every cell, we have receptors for emotions. And mm-hmm. the more negative those emotions are, your receptors will actually turn more negative. So instead of putting out all these receptors for happiness and positive feelings, you'll actually change those receptor shapes to only grab the negative response, meaning that our cells are constantly kind of in this stress state. Um, And so what they're saying is that, again, going back to habits on happiness and all this other stuff, is that it takes time to change or transition those cells back into the happiness receptors. Therefore, like this isn't an overnight quick fix, right? Like we can't just think ourselves and expect to see results right away. That's what they're saying, at least on the biological standpoint of it takes time to change your receptors into the more negative aspect and it takes time to switch back over to the positive. But the only way to do that is to push more positive chemicals throughout your body. Otherwise, your body will never transition back over into that state, which I think it's so fascinating. One, that our cells have receptors for emotion. But two, how the body works as a survival mechanism of changing based on the emotion, which changes, you know, how much energy is released and and, um, all these things that people want to do in the health aspect. So I really believe that, right, health starts in the mind and all this stuff. But when it comes to happiness, I feel like in my own life, this has been a work in progress. Like this is not instant gratification in any means. And maybe I'm really (laughs) off when I do this, but I want to know, like, how has the process been for you? Like, has it been slow and steady? Has it been like, I mean, there is some aspects of discipline that come with this, which sounds crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, I have to be disciplined to be happy. But I feel like that in my own life. And maybe I'm way off. I want you to tell me, am I off on that? Or is that true? 
No, no, no. I feel like for me, it's been a fight for happiness. I feel like because I'm someone who's gone through a season of depression, you know, my, you know, the story, my husband and Mm -hmm. I lost everything about 11 years ago. We were homeless. We went through foreclosure. We've been through the, the ringer. And for me, I feel like happiness is such a worthy goal that I'm real, I'm willing to research it and I'm willing to fight for it because it's where I want to get to be. It's not only do I deserve happiness, my husband deserves a wife who invests in her happiness. My children deserve to grow up with a mother that invests in their happiness. My happiness affects everyone else. So it makes me stay focused on it and it makes me stay disciplined about it. One thing with gratitude, for example, I call it the discipline of gratitude right? because it doesn't come easy. Like I asked the boys every night. I used to try to say, you know, tell me three things you're grateful for every day. And a boy will look at you like you have three heads when you ask that way. (laughs) So I say, you know, what, what are your three wins? What are Mm. the three things that went well for you today? And so I'm teaching them to be grateful, but it's a discipline, like every great discipline in our lives. And we have to do that with ourselves. We have to go this fight is worth it and I'm going to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that's good to know because I think happiness seems like something that should just come easily. And oh, yeah. Like some people have it and some people don't. Oh, yeah. well. It's yeah, not right. Like yeah. <laughs> this is just who I am. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's what's that's what's so cool about all this stuff. So I just have a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. In the book, um, I know you talk about like God's view of happiness and mm-hmm. there's a thought that you need to do what makes you holy, not what makes you happy. But you argue that. And Absolutely. I just I just want to bring that to light because God has called us to happiness. And so what is your take on that? Like, what have you learned through this? Like every time I see people post on Pinterest and Instagram, do more of what makes you holy, not happy, it really upsets me because it's, for one, it's terrible theology. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is it's pitting happiness against God. And Everything that God teaches is an instruction manual for how to be happy. It's about living beyond yourself, living for other people, helping other people, doing what you can, you know, taking care of people, doing the right thing, being honest, being generous. All of those things, as backed up by research and science, make us happy. Mm -hmm. And so when we pit holiness against happiness, what we're doing is we're pitting God against happiness. And what that does is it undermines the entire worldview. Because we're saying you can either be happy or you can be a person of faith. When really the lifestyle of people of faith, if you follow it correctly, not the, you know, silly man-made rules, but if you just follow God, that leads to happiness. Mm -hmm. And there's no greater book to teach us about contentment and connection than the Bible. Yeah. the what That was one of my biggest joys about writing this book is because everything I would find in research that would say, this is what makes a happy life, that was backed up in scripture. So we know in scripture, we are to live lives of gratitude. We know Mm -hmm. we're supposed to live connected to God and connected to and serving other people. That's the secret to happiness, both in scientific research Mm -hmm. and in the Bible. I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like I'm doing a disservice to people by not talking about faith in God, because ultimately, like that is what changes our heart, which changes our mind and our actions and everything that we do. Like we said, like happiness is not just a feeling. It equates to everything in life. And there's so much in scripture that talks about our happiness. So there are over 2000 commands in the Bible that are directly related to mindset, you know, fear not, Mm -hmm. um, Um, give thanks, rejoice, which is another word for be happy, Um, do not fear. Um, All of these things are directly telling us the type of mindset that we need to have. You know, love others, serve others, be in relationship with other people. This is directly telling us a recipe for a happy life. Here's the thing. A happy life has moments of darkness. A happy life has moments of sadness. A happy life has terrible things happen in it, but it doesn't mean that we can't regain our set point and keep moving forward. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Praise Jesus Praise for the Jesus. set point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Last question. If mm-hmm. you had to give someone a one-liner on how to be happier, what would it be? It's hmm, a great question. It would be invest in your relationships, cultivate gratitude, and constantly renew your mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Maybe. And if I had to say, I feel like I should say something else. 
I would also say be very careful with who you surround yourself with mm. because the people you surround yourself with will either build you up and help you live a happier, more intentional life, or they will keep you held back in a life and thought patterns that aren't healthy for you. So be very selective about the voices that you allow in your life. Make sure that the voices that you allow in your life are voices of people that have earned your trust, that make good decisions, and that live an intentional life. Because I think we've all heard the famous phrase, you you know, tell me who your five the five people you have around you and I'll tell you what your future is. It's yeah. very true. If we don't intentionally invest in relationships that are going to build us up, they will tear us down. Mm, yeah. Such good advice. You're always a wealth of wisdom, and I love having you on the show. Before we go, though, I have a few quick mm-hmm. fire questions, and I changed them because you've been on the show a few times, so I mm. want to keep getting a little more information out of you. So the first question is, I know you're into health now. You've had to be. You've had okay. um, to change some things. So what's one new thing you've recently started doing for your health? Well, it's fall now, or it's, mm-hmm. is it officially fall? Yes, it's officially fall. And um, I'm still all about bone broth because you made me be all about bone broth. <laughs> Good. And so one thing that I do is I always keep bone broth and vegetable soup with tons of spinach and healthy yeah. vegetables in it, cooked and ready to go. One of my sons is not healthy at all. And I walked out this morning for breakfast and he was heating up some chicken and vegetable and bone broth soup. And that's what he was having for breakfast. Yay! Winning. That's a win. I'll and take it. Yeah. He doesn't even know how good it is for him. He doesn't. No, <laughs> I'm so proud. He's just tired of breakfast food. And I'm like, more power to you, buddy. So I cook up a big batch of it and then I keep it in mason jars in the fridge. And yeah. it's amazing. Ah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Do you have a morning routine? And if so, has it changed you? Yes. I, well, as soon as the kids go off to school, I will spend between an hour or two hours. I'll journal. I'll do a devotion, I'll read the Bible, and I'll have time for prayer and meditation. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's the only way that I keep my mind right. Now, do I have to spend two hours? No. If I spend 30 minutes, that's fine, too. I just don't fit everything in. But it lets me set my intention for the day. It lets me kind of recalibrate my spirit to God's and make sure make sure that my mindset is ready to go tackle the day. Because like we've talked about, we live in the real world. Mm Mm-hmm expectations are going to be demolished. Bad things are going to happen. Storms are going to come. But when we wake up every day and go, this is my intention. This is how I want to live. These are the people I want to serve. You know, help help me do that. Help me to get right before I get started. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Okay. What is the best book you've read recently? Well, it's not that recently, but it's a book I love and I keep making people read it. It's the Enneagram from Richard Rohr. It's an Enneagram and the subtitle is from a Christian perspective. Yeah. 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 Super yeah. good. Yeah. So good. I keep going back and reading it. Just in the last week, I had my 17-year-old and my mother and my husband finally take the test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> just the conversations that we've had in the house since I got everyone to take it and really kind of dive in with that book about their personalities, it's been life-changing. So what's so Mark? What's Mark? He is a three. Oh, so he's like Peyton. My husband's yeah. a three. And what's your mom? And my mom is a four, and she's such a four. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, what's she really four? Said, she said, all is the creative. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very emotional. And she said, all these things that all my life I kind of felt bad about and thought were personality flaws. Now I know that God has created these individual personality types, and it's not a flaw. I just need to make sure I'm the healthiest version of myself. Right, right. It's been so good for her. And then my 17-year-old is a six. Okay. The whole time he took the test, he said, this is so dumb. This is not going to figure me out. And then as he read the description of a six, he was like, I am such a six. This uh-huh. is amazing. So it's been great. Just great conversations in the family. It is really helpful. I feel like it's been helpful in Peyton and mine's relationship to really understand each other um, and understand our differences <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and work through that. But- for, um, for Mark now, I realize I... Like instead of, because he retired to be focused in on the kids while I, you know, Mm -hmm. have this career and travel. And so for him, instead of turning around companies, he really, to feel good, needs to have benchmarks. So Mm -hmm. that's for him, the gym and, you know, achievement in different areas. And one thing the Enneagram test and the results were showing him is that 
for achievers, those who only feel good when they have a sense of accomplishment, you can, in a very healthy way, transfer it from the work world to the private life. Mm-hmm. And you can do that in a healthy way. And it's kind of given him permission to be like, I'm just going to keep achieving. I can still go for right. this, even though even though I don't have anyone else telling me how awesome I am at all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've I learned, tell, but, you know, I'm right. his wife. Well, I've learned from Peyton because he's a very strong achiever and he'll work all day. But in order yeah. to get him to do home life stuff, a list works really well because he feels like if he accomplishes the list, he's achieved it. Yes, so good. Even though I hate writing lists, but (laughs) I know it's how I get stuff done. Um, Anyways, yeah, it's really impressive. So if someone wanted to take the Enneagram test, though, what is the online test that you recommend? Is it still the one that's the road back to you or not? Uh, Well, it's the Ready. It's R-H-E-T-I. So it's the any you can just search Enneagram test and then ready, R-H-E-T-I. And then it's about $12 to take. I don't even mess with the free test. I don't feel like they're accurate. When well, you maybe take I the, should take this one then because I've only done yeah, the free but, test. Oh, you didn't do the ready? You no. got it, girl. Okay. Um, it'll also give you a big PDF and a lot of information. I, I really, I think that one's the best one. Okay, I'm going to do it today because yes. I've wavered between this three and this two. And you know, I've really struggled with like, what what I was a three and now I'm a two and like what am I? <laughs> yeah, take it and then send it to me. I want to know. Okay, I will. All okay. right, couple more questions. What's the one thing you do for your happiness every day? You kind of said this about renewing your mind. Does this go along with your morning routine? Well, just practically, I have to limit my time on social media. Mm. Yes. Because I write about it in every book. I wrote about it in Breaking Busy, and people thought I was crazy. I wrote about it in Fierce Faith, and write about it still. More and more research shows that the more time we spend on social media, the more depressed we get. Um, Because subconsciously, our brain, even though we know in our conscious brain not to compare our lives with these pictures we see on social media, subconsciously, our brain does it every single time. Mm -hmm. So I have to just stop my scroll to invest in my own happiness, especially if I'm having a hard day, if things are difficult, if I'm hormonal. I'm like, no, I will post something on Instagram, but I'm not even going to open it up because it's going to upset me. Right. Yeah. yeah that that's... is totally one of those things that I feel like in life, like we all think it's a fun thing, but I don't know anyone who's like shouting for joy at how much joy and happiness they get from social media. <laughs> no. In fact, if you start paying attention to how you feel before you get on and then when you get off social media, you'll notice it's less. Mm-hmm. The The one and only way that researchers find that we can use it in a healthy way that doesn't ruin our mood is to, with everything we see, to like it and comment and use it to really make a connection with the person that's posted. Mm. But if we're not doing that, if we're passively scrolling, there's no way not to feel worse. Right. Hands down. I think Mm -hmm. everyone could relate to that. And what's the best piece of advice you could leave us with? Hmm. Find a way to live for something bigger than yourself. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is to you, whatever that means to you, find something that makes you get out of bed in the morning, something that gives you that sense of awe, something that kind of lights a fire in your soul to live for. But learn learn to or continue living for something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Scary, but great. And this is why I have you <laughs> as my business coach, so that I can do this without... I don't know, making a lot of wrong decisions. (laughs) Okay, Allie, you have been fantastic as always. I want everyone to go to Target because your newest book, it's really devotional, but it's a book, devotional. It's so great. The Year of Living Happy is there in Target. And every time I go in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm fangirling all over your book, even though I've known you for like two and a half years. Because I'm like, look at my friend Allie's book. (laughs) It's in Target, and now it's in Barnes & Noble. Of course, you can get it on Amazon, mm-hmm. but I think it's pretty cool to support because it's really rare to see these kind of books in Target. Is that correct? I mean, like, I feel like I don't it see is. them. Mm-hmm. It's very, It's very difficult to get in Target because Target only accepts a few books a year. And what Target is doing right now is they're just testing to see if enough people are going to go buy the book in the store to make another order. Mm-hmm. Because Target's super choosy and... um if everyone could show up and go get a copy in your local Target, it'd be amazing. If you do, if you're listening now and you're like, you know what? I do have a Target run tomorrow. If you 
find it in a Target and take a picture with it and tag me. I have a fun promotion going on right now where I'm giving away some jewelry and some fun things. So I'd love to find you on Instagram with the book in your local Target. Ah, oh, that's uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. go to local Target, pick it up. And you also have other books that, you know, Breaking Busy, Fierce Faith, so good as well. Some of my favorite books that I just constantly go back to. So Allie, thank you so much for being on the show. Let us know where we can learn more about you. I'll make sure and link this all up in the show notes, but tell them where they can find you. Oh, sure. AllieWorthington.com. And then my podcast is The Allie Worthington Show, where I have a format of the first 30 minutes is interview and the second 30 minutes is coaching time, where I answer a question about life and faith and business on every call. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much again, Allie. And make sure you head to the show notes to get all the links for today's show. Um, And follow me on Instagram because I'm going to be giving away some of Allie's books. So check, check it out over there. So thank you again, Allie, and this won't be the last time we hear from you. (laughs) I hope not. Thank you so much. Man, she is a wealth of knowledge, and I love having her on the show. One thing that I really love about her is her drive to research. Like, I'm a research nerd. I love that aspect about her and what she knows and the lengths and depths she goes to really write these books. If you want to learn more about happiness and really take the challenge to live the year of happy, make sure you grab your own copy of The Year of Living Happy by Allie Worthington over on Amazon or just pick it up in your local local Target. I know I love Amazon, but there's something so nice about going to the store and buying it and having it in your own hands right away. Like, I know the world is ship it to your door so you don't have to go out, but I think I'm going to speak for most of us when we all love a little, a good little trip to Target, right? So grab that there, 30% off right now, and dig in. It is such a great devotional, something that you can do every day to give you a little snippet of joy and happiness in your own life. So make sure you check out The Year of Living Happy that's on Amazon, find it on Target, and follow Allie at AllieWorthington.com and on social media at AllieWorthington. I'll make sure and link up all of this in the show notes. Don't forget to head on over there. And while you're there, sign up for my email list to get all the sneak peeks I'll be showing you of what's coming out January 1st. Next week, I'm going to be back with that special gift guide. And then we're also going to be talking about immunity. Yes, I have two podcasts coming your way very quickly in the next week that are on boosting your immune system for the holidays and winter, as well as my gift guide. So stay tuned for all that. I can't wait to share those with you. In the meantime, here's to having the best week.